And yet so often in our day-to-day lives, we continue to struggle with the challenge of wanting to see and experience the fruit of that truth in our lives. And we wonder sometimes why we have a sense of disconnect from these great truths that we believe in Scripture and our experience of fruitfulness and the abundant life that Jesus came to offer. As we continue to worship God and looking into his word today, I want to invite you to pause with me again and, and pray and ask God to be present through the power of his spirit to make the word of God a word that is not just a static word or something we know with our heads or our minds, but that it can sink down today into our hearts to that place where we recognize that it is a word from God for you and for me, that God through his spirit is here today and wants us to know that he loves us, that he cares about us, about us, and that he can help us like no other. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we do thank you that you have not left us orphaned, abandoned, or alone. That when you sent your son Jesus to be with us, it was the beginning of a permanent relationship that can never be broken. And God, as we celebrate again today the gift of your presence with us through the Spirit, would you speak to us? Would you use your word to inspire us to new life again today? Would you help us to put down our defenses and to overcome our own egos, to understand that maybe, just maybe, you can teach us something new. You can invite us into a new experience that maybe we have not had before. And God, as we humble ourselves before you this morning. We give you control, and we ask that you would be honored and glorified, not only in our songs and in our words, but in the privacy and secrecy of our own hearts. God, we lift your name, and we glorify you this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. My name is Kurt. I'm one of the pastors here. If you are visiting with us, a special welcome to you on this Memorial Day weekend and Pentecost Sunday. We get to celebrate so many wonderful things and on one Sunday. We are excited that you're here. Uh, as I had mentioned, we are uh, wrapping up the last two weeks of our series that we've been in that we've been calling Honest to God, which is a challenge to each one of us to, to begin to be honest with ourselves and honest before God with the ways that maybe we have not taken the truths of Scripture that we say we believe and allowed them to become the foundation upon which we actually live our lives and form our sense of self-worth and identity. And too often, when we don't allow the truth of God's word to take root in our hearts in that way, the enemy can come in and can steal the, the truth of that word and, and prevent us from, allowing, from it going into our hearts and producing the fruit for which it was intended. In this series, we've made clear that the truth of God's word tells us that our redemption is complete in Christ. Because of the gift that he's given us in the cross and the resurrection, there is nothing more that you or I need to do to be more worthy, to be more lovely, to be more accepted by God. There's nothing else that has to be accomplished other than for us to open our lives to him and receive the gift that he has of his mercy, his forgiveness, and his grace. And yet too often as I talk with people uh, week in and week out, we, we still struggle, don't we, 
with, with looking for that elusive happiness and that sense of satisfaction and peace in our life. We always feel like there's some other destination that we have to get to. And maybe if I get $10,000 more in my, in my paycheck this next year, or if I get that next nicer car, or if I just solve that conflict with my spouse, that then I can rest and be happy. But even if we get those things, we know we, we get there and we're, we're still not happy, right? Because there's always $10,000 more. There's always that next better car that we could get. There's always that next conflict that comes with our spouse. And we wonder, what is it that we're missing? Where are we getting off track? Why aren't we finding the promise of happiness and wholeness and peace? We learned that Jesus illustrated the reasons for the lack of fruitfulness in our lives as spiritual beings by talking about the parable of the sower and the seed. And Jesus says that God sows his word lavishly in the world, but there are, there are enemies like Satan who comes and wants to steal that truth away so we don't ultimately believe it. Or, or the seed will, will be received, but, but we run away from challenging. And when life gets difficult, we want to, to, to blame God or figure out if God really loved us, these things wouldn't happen. And so our faith becomes shallow and the roots don't go down deep. Or, or we, we start a Christian life and we start walking with God through the power of his spirit, but then the cares of the world come in and we start to worry about our finances and whether we're going to have enough. And we worry about our kids and whether they're going to grow up well and, and healthy and, and smart and, and good. And we start to try and take control of all these things or we desire the things that we don't have because we think they're going to make us happy and the cares and the concerns start to swell in and choke out the life of the God's word, and it ceases to produce the kind of peace and joy for which it was intended. But Jesus said there, there's one kind of soil in which the seed plants and it roots and it goes down deep, and, and those roots become the foundation that a, a whole productive orchard is able to produce fruit for living. And so the question as we go through this series is how does this truth of God's word become the power of life at work in us? How do we get beyond this mere intellectual exercise to say that we believe in these truths of God's word to have it become an actual experience of life for each of us so that it produces the freedom and the fruit in us that we desire? Well, we're going to look to the, the words of Jesus who is really the best source of of answers for life, right? We're going to look in the Gospel of John, starting in chapter 14, where as he was preparing to go to the cross, and he knew that he was going to die, and he was going to be leaving his disciples after he rose from the dead and was taken back to heaven. He wanted to teach them and encourage them, and and in that upper room discourse where he had these final intimate moments with his disciples— He taught them so many wonderful things, and we're going to be looking at a variety of them today and even next week. But we're going to start today in chapter 14. In verse 15, he says, If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And then for the sake of time this morning, we're going to jump ahead to verse 25 of chapter 14, where he continues in his teaching. He says, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything 
I have told you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. One of the things that I think it's important for us to highlight as we wrap up this series in allowing God's truth to produce fruit in our lives is that we learn from Jesus, if we really pay attention to what he's offering us and what he's teaching his disciples, is that the Christian life that we are invited to live is not a self-help program for our own personal growth and development. I think in this world where we we have this focus on the individual self and our own happiness and our own uh, success, it's so easy to take the truths of Christianity, which which are wonderful gifts and blessings to each one of us because God loves each of us, and to turn it into these the latest self help program that just allows me to be the best me that I can be. But you see, if if the ultimate goal is simply to just be the best me that I can be. We're always still left with, well, what, what more than me is there? Because ultimately, we stand and we look in the mirror, and truth be told, we're not always the happiest with the me that we see. And so we live disappointed and, and often shallow lives, missing the deeper truths of what God has invited us to experience. The Christian life is not intended to simply be a personal self-improvement program. True, we may at times be able to, through discipline and hard work, grow and improve and, and learn skills and abilities that we, that we can put into practice in our lives, and God desires us to grow in that way. But in fact, the Christian life is less about the discovery of self, and it's more about the abandonment of self. Because Jesus came to give his life for the sake of the world, he invites us to learn how to give our lives away as a, as a source of finding what true life is really all about. It's a letting go of the expectation that we have the wisdom or the strength or the ability to control what happens in our lives and to, to find that kind of success and happiness in our own. I have to confess, in, in my own personal life, this, this is hard for me. This idea of living a life that isn't based on my own self-gratification and my own self-growth and development and to let go of control? What? Because see, in order to let go of control, it means I, I have to look at my own ego and say, you know what, that's, a, that's kind of a blow to my own pride to say, you know what, God, you're right. I can't manage my own life. I don't have what it takes to, to really find happiness and to be successful in the way that you had intended. And I need you. I need your power to take over control. I need you to be my wisdom. I need your word to be the foundation upon which I, I make my plans and I, I develop my priorities and I decide what is valuable and what's not valuable. God, I have to admit I'm not good enough to do that on my own. But you see, what God tells us is that when we take that step of of stepping into the truth that we really don't have what it takes, we, we open ourselves to this wonderful gift that God does have what it takes and he gives us of his spirit with freedom and with joy to help us figure that out. The Bible clearly teaches that the Christian life is a supernatural life. It's not just lived in the, in the physical realm where, where we manipulate through our scientific knowledge and understanding the, 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 the nature in which we live in order to make ourselves happier. There is a spiritual reality that comes through the presence of God in our lives. 
And as we draw on the living presence of Christ, we, we discover a source of direction and encouragement and empowerment. And in this sense, the Christian life can only come to us as a gift. It must simply be received. What we learn as we grasp the unconditional love and grace and power of God that is present and available through his spirit is that honoring Christ with our lives becomes that larger purpose, that larger meaning that goes beyond our own happiness, that gives us a reason for being that, that makes everything else fall into place and make sense. When we seek to honor Christ with our careers, when we seek to honor Christ in our marriages, when we seek to honor Christ in our parenting, when we seek to honor Christ in how we do church and understand that his mission is our mission, everything gets reordered and prioritized under under a whole new understanding of God's mercy and grace, not only for you and me, but for the whole world. And what happens is we discover a whole new lifestyle of love and joy that's based on gratitude for this incredible gift because there's nothing we can do to earn it. There's nothing we can do to purchase it. And all we need to do is simply accept it. But what Jesus is telling us and hinting at to his disciples before he's going to the cross is that understanding the truths of God's word isn't only about having a proper understanding of the scripture, which is a good starting point. He's also letting us understand that we have to develop a sensitivity to the presence and the power of his spirit in our lives. We need to base our lives on the truth of God's word, and we need to allow his character and his identity to be reproduced in us, to be birthed in us through the presence and the power of his spirit. Like Jesus said to Nicodemus, we have to be born again. We have to be born of the spirit in order to understand this new life that God has given us. Robert McGee in his book, The Search for Significance, says it this way, as we allow the Spirit of Christ to reign over the affairs of our lives, he transforms our values, our attitudes, and behaviors so that we are able to glorify him more and more. Jesus continued his teaching on the Holy Spirit, letting his disciples know that the Spirit would continue the ministry that he began, that even though he was not going to be with them physically any longer, what they started was just the beginning and that there was so much more to look forward to to come. We're going to jump ahead to chapter 16, looking at verses 13 through 15. He says in verse 12, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now hear, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that we will receive, that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So who is this Holy Spirit? What, what is this spirit of, of truth that, that Jesus said is going to come if, if he departs? Well, we, we come to understand by, by understanding Scripture and our experience with God that the Holy Spirit is the, the third person of the Godhead. It is the presence and the power of God made available to us. It is the same spirit of God that Christ had in his life that he now shares with us and makes available to us as well. And as the the Spirit of God with us, his primary purpose is to bring glory to Christ, bringing attention to him, 
and to carry forward the very mission that God had given Jesus to fulfill in his earthly life. In that sense, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, is our teacher. We come to God to learn directly from his spirit how to understand what this word means to you and to me. As we go to to the word of God, we, we seek the sensitivity of the spirit's voice in our life to understand how does this word apply to my life today? How can I understand what God wants me to know and to do as a result of what he is leading me to in my life? So that the word of God becomes a living word, not just something that we believe intellectually, but something that we feed on, something that we go to as a source of life, something that we go to as a source of direction and seeking God's will for our lives. Pastor and author from the 20th century, A.W. Tozer, in a book he wrote called Pursuit of God, says, we have within us the ability to know him if we will but respond to his overtures. We will know him in increasing degree as our receptivity becomes more perfect by faith and love and practice. On our part, he says, there must be a surrender to the Spirit of God. For his work is to show us the Father and the Son. If we cooperate with him in loving obedience, God will manifest himself to us, and that manifestation will be the difference between a nominal Christian life and a life radiant with the light of his face. You see, Jesus is reminding us and telling us that it is by the Spirit that he would give that the love of Christ flows through our hearts to one another. That's what it means to be a part of the church. We are the body of Christ through the power of his Spirit within us. It is after the resurrection that Jesus again returns to his disciples and flipping forward to the story of Acts, we are reminded in chapter 1 verses 4 through 8 that Jesus says on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the age. You see, even his disciples. Jesus, is it at this time you're going to receive power to the kingdom of Israel? Are you, are you going to give us back control? Are you going to put us in charge of the world? Are you going to let us run things around here? We'll do it in your name, God. You know, we, 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 we worship you. We believe in you. Is this the time when we get to sit on your left and your right hand in glory? And God, Jesus is like, oh, guys, you know, <laughs> slow down a little bit. It's not for... It's not for you and for me to know the plans of the Father to to make all things right. But what I can tell you is this. If you don't focus on your your need to control and when God's going to make everything line up perfectly in your life or in the universe or at the end of creation, if you don't focus on trying to foresee how God's going to make everything work out so that you're going to be comfortable and happy and and there's going to be a happy ending, if you just trust that God can handle that, if God can handle the happy ending, you can see that there is power available now for you to live this life that I'm inviting you to experience. 
But if you focus on, on the need to control and you want to manage all that and figure all that stuff out, you might miss the fact that there is power available to you now to experience the life that I'm inviting you to live. And this power is not just for your own self-improvement. This power will help you to, be, to live out the reason for why you were created. You will become my witnesses. You will become light in the darkness. You will become salt seasoning in the, in the world, giving the Christ-like flavor of God's love for all people. If you understand that that power is not your power, it's my power available through the presence of my spirit, but you have to be willing to let go of your desire to control, of your need to control. You have to let go of the lie that somehow you have to be perfect, that lie that somehow you have to gain everybody's approval, the lie that says somehow you have to avoid punishment and, and put the blame everywhere else because you, you don't want it to come to you. You have to avoid the lie that says, you know what, because of what's happened to you and because of what you've done, you should be ashamed of yourself and you should feel worthless and that God could never really love somebody the lies of the enemy rob us from the truth that God's power is here because he is here. And he is not only here, but it says that he is in here. God is the environment in which we now live as Christians. The world can't see it, but we see it. Do you see it? Can you see the glory of God this morning? Do you have eyes to see? Do you have ears to hear? To understand the truth of what Jesus was wanting to teach his disciples. That there is a spiritual reality in which we live. And it's like being enveloped in water. It's like an atmosphere that nobody understands. It's the air that I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence. Living in me, this is my daily bread, this is my daily bread, your very word spoken to me, and I, I'm desperate for you. I, I'm lost without you. Are you lost this morning? Are you living in the light and lost in the crowd? God is here through the presence and the power of his spirit to shine his light in the darkest places of your heart, to to bring you food that you can feed your soul on. He invites us to let go of all those things that we've been trying that haven't been satisfying, all those things that we think are going to bring us happiness but always disappoint. There is only one thing that is designed to feed our soul. It is the presence and the power of God in our life. Robert McGee in his book, The Search for Significance, says, now redeemed. We are now redeemed and our rightful purpose is to rule in life. And we can only be denied this if we allow Satan to deceive us and to miss the truth that we are already set free. If we fail to recognize our true position of worship 
and to exercise our new power and authority to live in freedom and gratitude. We remain trapped in this world system. In this series, we have looked at the the primary lies that that the enemy uses to, to take us away from this new reality in which we live, the performance trap and the approval trap and the blame and the shame traps. And we've recognized that the root of these false beliefs is a root of fear. Fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear that we're not going to measure up, fear that we're going to be punished for something that we've done, fear that somehow we're just not going to be good enough. But the Bible tells us we've been reminded that perfect love casts out fear. We have nothing to be afraid of, Jesus said. I am sending you the comforter who will be with you forever. Therefore, do not be afraid. My peace I give you. My peace is with you. And I give, not like the world gives, but I give in a way that will allow you to bank your life on this truth. You see, the more that we understand and apply the truths of God's word, the more free our lives become to reflect his character and his presence in our lives. Just as the cross of Christ is the basis for our relationship with God, it's also the foundation for our spiritual growth. We have to understand that Christianity is not a self-help improvement program. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and what? Follow me. Jesus' journey was a journey to the cross. It was a self-death in order to find life. Come and die to your self-life, Jesus says. Die to your perfectionism. Die to your need to seek approval. Die to your fear of blame and punishment. Die to all the untruths that keep you bound and scared and, and, and distrustful of those around you and of God himself. Die to your shame and your fear of worthlessness and be born anew to a Christ life through the power of his spirit in you, working in you, to do that which is pleasing in God's sight. Men and women, we have an opportunity this morning to respond to the presence and the power of God in our lives. And in just a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. Give us an opportunity to do that together. I'm going to invite the the band to come back up and join me. And I'm going to invite the ushers uh, to come and prepare to receive the offerings. As, As we respond to the presence of God in this room this morning, to the word of God that is being shared with us. I want to invite you in this next song to to figuratively or literally open your hands and let go of your need to control your own life and invite the presence and the power of God to speak into your spirit this morning, that which you need to hear, the words of freedom, the words of love, the words of mercy, the words of grace, maybe even the words of challenge, but challenge to be all that Christ wants you to be and not everything that this world says that you need to be. We're going to sing a, a, a song, and, and as we give our gifts of tithes and offerings, if you've prepared those for, in worship for God this morning, I also invite you to bring offerings of gratitude. Remember we talked about joy is the ecstasy of gratitude? When we are truly set free, and we recognize that that freedom comes only as a gift, the response of worship is an ecstasy of gratitude. I want to invite 
you to experience that this morning as we come to God with gratitude and thanksgiving, worshiping God who is with us through his spirit.